This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. We already know that the devil is a bad devil and God is good. Amen. Now, I'm going to start a series this morning and I need you to pay close attention. I need you to have your pad and pencil or a pen or highlight or a marker, whatever you have, because I'm going to give you some information that it's, it's imperative that you grab this. Root yourself in it. You might not understand it now, but you will in the days, weeks, and months to come. You'll see where this series of teaching that I'm going to talk about, because today I'm just going to lay the foundation and I'm going to build on it. I'm going to build on it so everything that I'm teaching today, I don't want you to commit to it. I want you, you, let me tell you, you're going to commit after I finish the series. Because it's some things that you need to know and you need to understand. Amen. As we began this morning, I want us to start by just saying, I want to, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to continue. I've been listening to all the ministers in my time off between moving and packing, but it didn't, it never fails. I have my ministers on and minister to it. And God has been giving us powerful words. And you should have been grabbing a hold of every one of them that came up here. I don't have any favorite minister because all of them are awesome. Every time they come, God speaks. You know that they've been before the throne of God. You know that they have asked God to increase them. And when they give us the word, then we need to grab a hold of it. Yes, your pastor needs to grab a hold of it just like you. You need to grab a hold of it. Amen. But I want us to, I want to continue to encourage us because we are in perilous times. I want to encourage us. God wants to encourage us when things is pleasant and God wants to encourage us when things are not pleasant. See, we always just think that it's God when everything is going right. But God is encouraging you even when things are not uh, 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 pleasant. Amen. And I want you to know this. I want us to grab that focus. Minister was talking on it. We got to grab. God has been telling us the whole time. Your challenge is stay in focus. And then God, remember, God put out to us about the, the mouth path. It made you focus on what you were saying. It let you see how negative you can really be without even thinking about it. It lets you see that, oh my God, I can't believe that I sound like that. Oh my God, do I do this all the time? And God said, I just want you to hear yourself. Some people were telling me before they left that day, like I was outside. I was already into it. I was hearing myself. But we must stay focused. Amen. And we're going to shift today. We're going to shift. Listen. We're going to shift your focus from facts to truth. From facts to truth. Facts are good. But you need to, your focus needs to be shifted from facts to truth. You know why? Because... Peace comes with truth. Where there's truth, you'll have peace. 
Most of the time when you don't have peace, I guarantee you, truth is missing. Somewhere. Because peace goes with truth. Where there is no truth, there is no peace. Where there is no truth, there is no peace. You can't even have patience without truth. That's why people are so antsy and all over the place and just have anxiety and can't wait and can't because truth is absent. Just want you to know this ministry is not about a bunch of hooping and hollering and, and emotional things. This is about truth. Because after you get through doing all of that, you better have something to stand on. Are you following me? Now, there's some things you must do, and I'm going to give them to you to shift your focus from facts to faith. And I want to give them to you, uh, you know, just some steps that you need to be paying attention to, you know, because you, you know, because you just don't know them all. So, number one, you must change your walk. Number two, you must walk in the newness of life. Number three, see, you just put you must walk and then you can shorten that. So don't try to keep writing you must because you, you'll miss what I'm saying. So number one, you must walk, change your walk. You must walk in the newness of life. You must walk with like-minded believers. Did you hear me? You must walk with like-minded believers. Number four, you must walk in the Spirit. You must walk soberly. Number five. Number six, and you must resist the devil. And in order to, to, to reach this type of maturity, you're going to have to get all of those six things in order. Your walk must be established on truth. And I'm going to help you with that today. If you will, you can go to John chapter 8. And I want to start this by saying this. Each one of the Gospels have a purpose. We do a lot, because we are teaching ministry, we deal with a lot of Paul's letters. But we're going to deal with some things today because the Gospel is important. There's a reason why we read out of the Gospels. Even though three Gospels, the three Gospels, they teach basically the same thing. But listen, and John is the Gospel that's based on the fact that he's teaching, listen, John is teaching on the life of Jesus. But one of the primary objectives, listen to me, in the book of John, was to show Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And Mark, you go over to Mark, he wanted to show him as the Son of Man. But Matthew wanted to show him as the Son of God. So we start here in John. I want you to, I want you to pay attention. This is teaching. And let's start, and I don't want you, I want you to stay at John 8. We're going to kind of walk through John a little bit. We start here at John by telling us, in John chapter 1, he, the Bible tells us, in the beginning was the Word of God. 
And the Word was with God and the Word was God. It also tells us in John chapter 1, this is where Jesus met John the Baptist. Also in John chapter 1, it is when Jesus chose his first disciples. Then we move on over to John chapter 2. We find Jesus did his first miracle. He went to a wedding and turned the water into wine. And then we move to chapter 3. And he told Nicodemus in a conversation (laughs) that you must be born again. You must be born of the water, which is the natural birth, and you must be born of the Spirit. John chapter 3, I believe one of the greatest statements for me that God, that Jesus ever said out of the whole scripture, he also said in John chapter 3, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a powerful, powerful statement. For God so loved the world. See, believers, we got this thing now that God only loved us. But the Bible teaches us that God so loved the world. You were once there. And then it was in John chapter 4 where Jesus confronted the Samaritan woman. And that was very significant. Thing. Because I believe that the Bible says that when the Bible says that Jesus must need be go to Samaria, <laughs> and I believe not only for that Samaritan woman, but I believe if he had not gone to Samaria at that time, we probably wouldn't even know that Jesus came for the Gentiles. But now we have it documented. So I'm thankful for that. We might not have known that Jesus' earthly ministry included the Gentiles as well as the Jews. And then he told that woman, he said, the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Then we move on over to chapter 5. Jesus went down by the pool of Bethesda. And many impotent people were sitting around. And it, it was there that he told the man to uh, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. And he healed the impotent man. It was in John chapter 6 when Jesus walked on the water. Now I'm giving you all this for a reason. Just follow me. And in John chapter 7 is where Jesus In his teaching, he revealed the doctrine of God. He said, I have come to give you the doctrine of God, and the doctrine you hear is not mine, but him that sent me. The doctrine comes from the Father. And that brings us up to chapter 8. Now think about this. All of this, All of this that he was doing, and the disciples was following him, and they were seeing all this and knowing all this and seeing everything that he was doing, all the things that he's done. And so now look at John chapter 8, verse 25. Are you there? Now, now, now just think about this. After all these things leading up to what just happened, look at what they said in verse 25. 
they said. Then said they unto them, Who art thou? Who art thou? They've been with him the whole time, been seeing him do this day in, day out. And then they ask him, Who are you? Basically. Now, again, you have to notice all the things that I said from John chapter 1 all the way to 8. Now, after all of that, they want to know, Who are you? But I love Jesus' answer. Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. (laughs) He said, in other words, I'm the same person. I'm the same person. I I don't change. I'm the same person. I haven't changed. Look at verse 26. I have many things to say unto uh, and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. Let's get that word true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake of them of the Father. They didn't even know what he was talking about. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When he had lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, we, we kind of run by that all the time. You know the truth, the truth shall make you free. This is powerful. Jesus is establishing something here. In other words, he said, if you will be established, that word means that there has been a relationship established. When he said no, when you will know the truth, That word means if you will establish yourself in the truth, that means you have to have been in a relationship established between the person knowing and the object known. So you have to establish yourself in that. Are you following me? A relationship established between the person knowing and the object known. See, that's what knowing means. Establishing. So he was saying, if you establish a close, intimate, personal relationship with me by continuing in my word, that's the only way that you can. Just talking about me, saying how much you love me, talking about God won't do it. But you have to establish a knowing him, continuing in his word. He said, then you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, I'm going to give you a startling illumination. Listen, when this statement was made, when Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, listen to me closely. So you'll always remember this. God's truth will only make you free in two areas. God's truth will only make you free in two areas. 
And that's in sin and in death. That's in sin and in death. That's what it'll free you from. See, sin is the only thing that can kill. And you're freed from it. And if you die, you're really free. Because the Bible teaches us to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. So you're free. Listen, I want you to see, I'm, I want you to understand some truth. This God's truth, listen, pay attention. God's truth will not make you free from debt. It won't make you free from sickness and disease and headaches. The truth only makes you free from sin and death. I know. You don't have to you don't have to commit to it right now. Just hold your horse. Sin and death. And this is the thing about it. The it'll make you free from sin and death. This is what's wrong with God's people. God's people don't want to be free from sin. See, they, you don't want to be free from sin. I get it. Now, what I'm going to do in this teaching, I'm going to give you a doctrinal exposition of the truth. A doctrinal exposition of the truth. And I'm giving you that because... For one, it's my responsibility. And it's my responsibility under the calling that's on my life, under the constitution of God's Word, that I make you make sure that you understand truth. God holding me accountable that I make you understand truth. Are you with me? In other words, I will be expounding for the next few weeks on truth. And the truth that I will be expounding on is the truth that you have learned that's being taught to you Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. I'll be expounding. I won't be teaching it. I will expound on it. Because I want you to know the truth that you have been taught doctrinally. Are you with me? I want you to receive truth that you have been taught with confidence. And I also want you to be the truth in your character, in your conduct, and in your commitment to the faith. You must be that truth. In other words, I want to give you enough scriptural information for you to walk in. It's high time. It's it's high time. It's more than just saying what a good word we teach. It's more than just saying, you know, we are a word church. We are a teaching ministry. It's high time that we walk in it. No excuses. Walk in it. But since I'm laying the foundation and that's what I'm doing, let me give you the intent. My intent is for you to comprehend, to understand, and receive truth. And then I want you to get a spiritual perception of truth. And I want you to get it in the trinity of your person. 
spirit, soul, and body. I want you to get it in the spirit, in the spirit, soul, and body, in the trinity of your person. In each area, in your body, in your spirit, in your soul, I want you to get a spiritual perception of truth. I want in these series of teaching, I want all of us to have unshakable confidence in the truth. Unshakable. When things come up, and, and, and they will. When circumstances come up and, and things come up to throw us off or to get us off focus, I want us to have confidence in the truth. Sometimes people get caught up in things and they don't even know how to get to the truth. They throw truth out of the window. And let me tell you one of the things that will make you throw truth out of the window, death. And that's a thing we all have in common. So I'm telling you beforehand, you have to get a handle on having confidence in the truth of the Word of God. I want us to know that God, through Jesus Christ, has given us complete access to the truth. If you're born of God's Spirit and filled with God's Spirit through Christ Jesus, it has to be through Christ Jesus, then you have complete access to truth. Listen, complete. That's amazing. God has given you complete access to truth. Let me put it to you this way. There is no truth that is unknown to you. Did you hear me? There's no truth because he's given you access to it. There's no truth that is unknown to you. Now, you may not be, you know, you have to walk in his will. (laughs) Now, it may not be fruitful in your mind. And you say, no, I don't know. Yeah, see, it's not fruitful in your mind, but you have access to it all. So that means you have it. It's just not fruitful to your mind. You've been given access to all the truth you need to be successful in your walk through Jesus. Everything you need to know to walk this walk out. Everything you need to know, every truth you need to know to get the job done is here. God has given you complete access to the truth. I also want you to know that the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of truth, will lead and guide us unto all truth. See, he's going to lead and guide us into all truth. Listen to me. You don't have to remember everything. Listen, you don't even have to, you, you don't even have to remember everything academically. Here's one even better. You don't even have to remember everything theologically. What you have to do is have confidence that the truth is in Jesus. Is in Jesus. And you are filled with his spirit. So very important. And then he's going to lead you and guide you into all the truth you need to get the job done. He's going to lead you when things are pleasant. And he's going to lead you when things are not pleasant. He's still leading. Even when you can't hear him, he's leading you. Even in silence, 
He's leading you. I want us to know our covenant rights and benefits. Rest. Listen in the truth. That's why many people don't grab a hold to it and walk in their covenant rights and benefits. Because it rests in the truth. It's just not so throwaway. Your benefits, rights, and covenant rights, covenant benefits, rest in the truth. Now, after everything that I told you, you can write it down. But this one thing I want you to remember. I want you to remember without going back to your notes. I want you to remember, never ever let truth leave the trinity of your person. Never let the truth leave the trinity of your person. Never. Own that. Own it. I'll say it again. Never let the truth leave the trinity of your person. Have your mind renewed with the truth. Have your inner man exercised with the truth. Take your body and give it a lifetime sentence of truth. Sentence it. Sentence that body. Say, you are going, whether you like it or not, you're going to be, and you are sentenced to stay up under truth. Sentence it without any possibility of parole. You're there. You're not coming out of it. In other words, speak to that body. Because that's going to be your biggest problem right there. You have to tell it, I know you don't want to know, but I'm going to give you truth. You have a lifetime sentence. You're not going to get away from it. I'm sentencing you to life without parole. To the truth. Keep reminding it every time it wants to do something. A contrary to where it said, there is no parole. Get under that truth. There's no way you're going to get out from under that truth. Why is it? Because my mind has been renewed to the truth. And not only my mind renewed to truth, my spirit has complete access to the truth. And I'm going to bring it all under subjection to the truth. Spirit soul and body tell that body spirit soul and body everybody everybody's been sentenced everybody's locked down under truth everything in my life is locked down under truth my purpose is for i want us to know truth i want us to accept truth so that we can be the truth so that we can be the truth. My objective, I want us to understand the relationship. This is what, this is so important. I, we need to understand the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Doctrinally, there is a very important relationship in the Bible between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're going to deal with that. And we should know what that relationship is. 
And then I want us to understand our commitment to the truth. I want you to have complete understanding to that commitment that you are making to the truth. I want us to understand truth in such a manner that we know, you know when you hear truth. See, I don't want you to be a type of person that you can just listen to anybody preaching and sit down and listen to anybody preaching. You must understand how to know when you've heard truth. If somebody else is preaching, if you went to visit another church, if you went somewhere else, you need to know how to hear the truth. Why? Because truth makes you free. So you got to know. See, you can be listening to a message in a ministry that sounds good. People are shouting and jumping and having a good time. And that very message can lead you to sin. Because, see, your flesh is excited. If you don't know truth, anything, they could be saying anything. You're just hopping around. You're just excited because everybody else is excited. But when you know truth and understand truth, you know how to understand that's not of God. And I'm not saying when people do that all the time that, you know, everything is not of God. I'm saying, no, you need to understand when it's not. I'm not dealing with everybody else. I'm just dealing with you. I'm telling you, you can listen to a, uh, 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 someone preaching and lead you contrary to the Word of God. Yeah, in the, in the church. That's why you have to know truth. Because some of it, some, some, sometimes preaching can just, just, just ignite your flesh. And it can ignite your flesh so much that you say, that got to be true. Oh, that got to be true. Well, you don't have no foundation to know whether it's truth or not, just because you feel good, just because you got goosebumps. No. My goal is I want to be made, I want us to be made whole through the truth. I just want the truth to make us free. I want you to be free in your mind. I want you to be free when you go anywhere and hear anyone that you can just ignore it when you know that it's not from God. Because I know truth. I don't have to stand up and tell them that you, this, that, and other. I could just ignore it because I know better. That's, that's when you know the truth. One thing about our founding pastor, I don't care where we went. He was always, if someone was teaching, he was very quiet. Because he listened to everything. Because he was always basing everything on truth. And he taught me well in that area. Sometimes people think you're just sitting there like, well, why they don't, you know. You don't, because let me tell you, when people that are serious about the word, they listen intently. They just don't get excited because of a crowd. He would sit quietly and he would take everything in. And then he'll discuss it all the way home in the car. He didn't want me talking to him while it was going on because he was paying close attention. That's a person hungry for the word. Amen. 
Again, I don't want you to commit to anything that you've heard. Everything I have to say, I want to... See, I want... After I get through with this series, I want you to have a greater appreciation for this ministry. A greater appreciation for the word that goes forth here. And this series is going to get you there. Now, if you want life and you want to have peace, you must come into agreement with the teaching. When it's scriptural. Listen, truth and peace go together, always. Truth and peace go together. When you have truth, you can be peaceful. No matter how bad it looks, when you have truth, you can be peaceful. Why? Because there's a oneness with truth and peace. So it's like, you know what, this is all going wrong, but you know what, I can have peace. And I think it's beautiful when you can communicate, make decisions, solve problems based upon the truth. See, everything, you need to base it upon the truth. Let somebody go on and tell you, everything is not the Word. Oh, yeah, everything's the Word for me. Because I base everything I do on the truth. It's beautiful when you can rest in God based upon the truth. It's beautiful when you can have peace. The peace that God promised. That peace that passed understanding. When you can have that. Because why? It's based on the truth. Now, let's move to our first objective. Because to understand truth, you must understand the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, this is where I'm going to lose some people. But this is so very important. This is so very important to your walk. I know you'd be like, oh, well, I, want, I want them to talk about my issue. I am. God is. But we need to understand, we must understand the relationship between the Old and the New Testament. So if you want to write a title, say, Understanding the Relationship Between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, walk, if you will, over to the book of Galatians, chapter 3. Galatians, chapter 3. And let's go straightway to our first point. We're talking about understanding the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, I'm about to give you, listen, I'm about to give you a doctrinal exposition of the Old Testament. Rabbit, I'm about to give you a doctrinal exposition of the Old Testament. Grab it. And you know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm I have, I prayed about this, I went over it. I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can. I think about it, if I was iron sharpening iron and I was with other pastors uh, or ministers and we're talking about that, you know, I would go into more things that are more intricate than I am now. But I said, Father, I know we need to make it as simple as possible so they can get it. Because I don't care how light you take this, this is important to your walk. Knowing and understanding the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Are you ready? I'm going to give you the doctrinal exposition of it. (sighs) 
Number one, the first thing that the Old Testament does, the whole Old Testament, the first thing that it does, component number one, it starts off with the patriarchs. I'm going to set it up for you. And you'll never look at the Old Testament the same. It starts off with the patriarchs. Simple way to know what it means by patriarch is this for you. It is those whose names were recorded in the scripture before or prior to Moses or before or prior to the law. Every name that you see prior to Moses, before the law, they were patriarchs. Just, I'll give you an example of some. When we talk about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the seven sons of Jacob, you know, he had seven sons and one daughter. Jacob's name, remember, was changed to Israel. And the, and, and the patriarchs go all the way up to David. This is how you know when you're reading in the Old Testament. It starts with the patriarchs. Those are a few of them. All the way up to David. When you are getting a significant now, all of you, that was a patriarch. Because this, was, this happened before Moses. This happened before the law. These are patriarchs. Now this is important. Listen, it was Abraham that the promise was made and the covenant was cut for the coming of Jesus with the patriarch Abraham. Now this all happened before the law. See, you all want to leave this kind of teaching to the elders. But you need to know it. You need to know what you believe in. And God is giving it to you at this time for a reason. Because you're going to need it for what's coming. So it was cut with Jesus. Now what happened before the law, so that when we get to the law, all this happened before the law. We get to the law, we're going to put it in its proper place. Because I'm going to show you some things about the law, and I will explain them in detail when we get over here in Galatians. So, that, that the covenant is cut. That was the promise. And re- always remember this. All promises that are of God that are cut with a covenant, all covenants is for everybody, every time, all the time. When God keeps covenant. Did you hear me? Whatever promise that is there is for everybody in that covenant every time, all the time. Very important. Understand this. When God makes a covenant, it's for everybody every time, all the time. You can say it's no respecter because it's for everybody. Every time and all the time. And so we will see how strong covenants are in a few minutes. But now, letter B, the component, 
in the Old Testament. Then we come up to letter B. And the next thing after the patriarchs comes the law. Comes the law. And the law is what God gave to Moses. The law is the Ten Commandments. That's all the law is. When everybody tries to say that was the law, they're talking about ordinances. No, the law is the Ten Commandments. What God gave Moses. Some of you just now knowing that. See, it's important that you as a believer know that. I know you don't see why it would be important, but it is. Now we see the patriarchs, those listed in the scriptures before Moses. Now here comes, here comes the law. Now let's look at the purpose for the law. The purpose of the law have four major reasons. That the law was made. See, we're talking about the relationship between the Old Testament and the New. So, there were four major reasons for the law. The first reason for the law is that the law was to reveal sin. Because the Bible teaches us where there's no law, there's no transgression. So, before the law, there was no transgression. And, and before the law, nobody could, they couldn't, man didn't have anything to measure up to where they were with God. To measure himself with God. Whether he was doing good, bad, or indifferent. So then the law reveals sin. The law also is a forerunner. It's a, it's a forerunner. It's a forerunner for the New Testament. And that's why we're able to say that the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And we say the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. We could say that because of the law. So it was a forerunner for the New Testament. But this is what I want you to do. Even though it was a forerunner for the New Testament, showing everything that's coming, I want you to separate that in your mind from the covenant that God made with Abraham, because it's different. See, we don't want to run that together. Separate that. Oh, I know, I'm dropping some off. You go into the refrigerator now. Now You go into the restroom because, see, this kind of stuff don't enter you. But this is the basis for what you know. This is your foundation that grabs a hold of you and keeps you there. Know you how to, this is how you know how to answer every man. This is how you know when you hear truth and when it's not. Because I know what I've been taught. And I'm going to prove it all out in the Scripture. I'm just laying the foundation. Amen? So separate that in your mind. Just put a comma there. Separate that from what God did with Abraham. The covenant that he cut with Abraham. Now, the third reason for the law, it was an example of the truth. It was just an example of the truth. And the Old Testament, number four, was our schoolmaster. It was an example of the truth, and it was our schoolmaster. Now, before we go to Galatians 3, I want you to look at John chapter 1, because I told you that the law was an example. So, keep your finger there in Galatians, and just turn over to John chapter 1 right quick. 
Because I, I want you to see something. I, I, you know, I want to, I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. Now, in John chapter 1, verse 15, it says, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now that's powerful right there. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Mm, mm, mm. Now listen carefully. There was no grace and no truth in the earth until Jesus came. I didn't make that up. Didn't we just read it? He said the law came by Moses. And remember, all of them was living that way. It says grace, but grace and truth came by Jesus. So it wasn't in the earth until Jesus. Are you with me? No grace or truth. Now, there was types of truth. There were shadows of truth. <laughs> Examples of truth. There was forerunners of truth. The schoolmaster was teaching us how to relate to truth when it comes. That's all that was. All of the types and shadows of truth and all the examples that were said. He was saying, get ready. This is how you're supposed to react when it comes, when truth comes. I'm getting you ready for truth. The forerunner. Mm, somebody should have said hallelujah. God is a good God. See, you got to understand this because even the Bible tells us if the old covenant had been, good, been without fault, then we wouldn't have needed a new one. It, we had to have a new one because that wasn't the truth. That was types and shadows of the truth. We'll get to it. Just, just, just keep home. Just hold on. We'll get to that. You know, truth is. It was God's intention that truth never listen would never be around us. That was God's original intention that truth would never be around us. His purpose. And his plan was always for truth to be in us. He said, I don't want truth just around you because when truth is just around you, it can be misconstrued. But if it's in you, nobody can touch it. So his purpose was never for it to be around you. But in you. He told it to Ezekiel this way. He said, I'm going to put my spirit in you. So they can cause you to keep my commandments. Because as long as it's around you, 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 it can be misconstrued and you don't know what's wrong or right. But if I put my spirit, truth, in you, 
it'll cause you to keep my commandments. That was always my original plan. That truth be in you. So we see now that there was no truth in the earth. And there was no grace in the earth at that time. What? No. There was, didn't we just read that it said, but Moses did the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus. So there was no grace. Well, what about the different things that, that God did, you know, when he forgave? Let me tell you, God, in the Old Testament, he gave them mercy. He, remember, he said, I'll be merciful to whom I want to be merciful to. But there was no grace. There was mercy in the Old Testament. Are y'all still together? You following me? The third component to the Old Testament is the prophets. This is what the Old Testament is made of. So we have the, the patriarchs, we have the law, and then we have the prophets. <laughs> Again, the law was just simply the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses. Now, the prophets in their time had two major responsibilities, just two. They had, listen, two. They were those who were divinely inspired to communicate the will of God to the people. They were divinely inspired. See, we don't know that today because there's so many things out there now calling themselves prophets. But in the Old Testament, two major reasons. They had divine inspired communication to communicate the will of God to the people. And number two, they disclose the future. So when you look at the prophets like Isaiah... Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah. They were revealing the mind of God divinely. But notice, in everything they did, they were always telling what was to come. They were always telling what was to come. So they were revealing the future. And out of that, what they said, that, that, this is what happened. Back then, like Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all of the prophets, when they were doing this, out of all that came another group. You're always going to get somebody that break off and become another group, you know, and start, you know, hanging out, and then they start something. And this group was called the scribes. You know, those that know everything and don't know nothing, or know everything but God, they had those back in that day as well. Intellectual minds know everything but God. And what the scribes did, they were the, listen, the interpreters of the law. And they would tell the people what the prophet said and what they meant. 
They would always tell, even, even in Jesus' day, they would, you know, they, you, you had the scribes and they would go and tell the people what the prophet said and the prophet said this and the prophet said that and he'd tell them, the people, what they meant. <laughs> but don't confuse the scribes with, when, with them, uh, what they were saying about the law and the prophets being actually what the prophet said. Or did. They were telling them what they wanted to do. They were telling them what they wanted to know. Are you with me? And if you read the scriptures and start studying out, that's why when Jesus came, he set the matter straight. Because, see, the scribes was busy telling everybody, this is what they, well, back then, they even tried to do it to Jesus. Tell them, well, you know, back then this happened and that happened. And the scribes said, I mean, the, the, uh, uh, the prophet said this back this and the prophet, and this is what Jesus said. And, and this is how amazing Jesus is. This was Jesus, the first thing Jesus did and it's in his first sermon, he decided to set the record straight on the Sermon on the Mount. He said it straight. He said, you have heard that it had been said by them of old. This is what they told that the prophet said. He said, but I say unto you. See, they were just saying stuff. But I'm going to tell you, I say unto you. Let me begin by setting everything straight. I say unto you what it is. And if you read that and you keep do research on that, he said that six times. And he covered six major subjects. And we'll eventually get to some of them in our future lessons. But right now, I'm setting and setting your mind so that you'll know the difference between the Old and the New Testament. Old Covenant, what did you have? Okay, you, what, what did we say you have? For letter A, we said in the Old Testament you have what? The patriarchs. And then you have what? The law that was given to Moses. Now, that was that. The Ten Commandments. Moses, it had four, we said we, it had four purposes. What was the four purposes? It revealed sin, was an example it was a forerunner, and it was a schoolmaster. That's important to know. Four major things. Now, let's go to Galatians chapter 3. And it's going to establish this for us. Now, I need to establish everything that I said. I don't want you to just take my word, but I need to establish that. Actually, what you're going to find here is the purpose of the law. So let's start reading. And are you in Galatians chapter 3? Let's start at verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Let me tell you what, let, let me tell you. You know what? Let, let, me, let me tell you a little bit about Galatians first. I have to do that. First of all, Paul wrote this book to the Galatians. Listen, and the Galatians were Gentiles, and we were Gentiles. And the reason he started this letter for the Gentiles 
with, O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you? He started, the, he started his letter there. Who have bewitched you? Or who have caused you to go astray? He was saying to them, because after these Gentiles, see, this is what happened. After the Gentiles were converted, there came along another group called the Judaizers. And they would come in after the uh, the Gentiles had been converted, and they would begin to tell them different laws that they had to keep. <laughs> different things, you know. And it was all, to, it, everything that they were telling them to do, it was to carry out their own personal agenda, though. Listen, we have modern day Judaizers. <laughs> you better hear me. We have modern day Judaizers. This is what you need to understand about a Judaizer. They'll always take you back to the Old Testament. And tell you what you need to do to get along with God. For example, the spirit of a Judaizer. Listen, all the prosperity teachers, notice... All the prosperity teachers that's trying to get in your pocket, they're going to take you to the Old Testament. That's why they talk about the women and the widow woman. and They're going to always... You know why they take you back there? Because they can't do it from the New. They can't do it from the New Testament. But they take you back to the Old Testament and put that bondage on you. And they mix it with Christianity. And that's what the Judaizers did to the new converts of Gentiles. They mixed it with a little Christianity. But God has redeemed us from those things. And they'll tell you, you need to do those things. They'll tell you that you need to bring the first fruit. I'm not talking about tithing. I'm talking about they're telling you you have to bring the first. You got to do this. You got to do that. And all of this that God or and then you got you got to give to the to the man of God for all of the stuff. They're going to take you to the Old Testament. You can't do it from the new covenant. Now let's look at verse 7. Now ye therefore Know ye therefore, they which are faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Now, we are the children of Abraham. Listen. Because why? We are covered by a promise that was not the law. We are covered by a promise that was not in the law. Look at verse 8. And the scripture foreseen, here's our here's our. Our our, 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 our that's going before us. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Now, I'm telling you that, 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 that there's the forerunner right there. Foreseeing, that's the forerunner. I'll, I'll read it again. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Verse 9. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. 
For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. In other words, the law was written, man didn't have to live by faith at that time. They were in the law. We're talking about Old Testament. Don't take your head over the New Testament. We're not there yet. I'm talking about in the Old Testament. They were living by the law. And they were judged by God by what they did. Now, we are judged by God by who we are. That's different. Not what we do, by who we are. Because we are, uh, uh, we are from Abraham. We're not of the law. And God draw, judges us by who we are because who we are is on the, it's on the inside. And it shows what we do on the outside. Look at verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Meaning no one can get into heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments. That's all that's said. Nobody is justified. Nobody, you can't get into heaven by keeping the law. As a matter of fact, you can't. First of all, it's impossible. That's why God sent Jesus. But even if you thought it was possible, even if you say, I do all of the ten things, you still would split hell right over because you can't bypass Jesus. You can't, I don't care how good you are. You can't bypass Jesus. Read it again, verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. Now, you know, I said, you can go to hell, and I said it boldly. But, you know, you have people that say, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm an all right person. I have, you know, I'm good. Let me tell you, your morality is opposed to God. I don't do anything bad. I don't, I don't hurt nobody. I don't do anything. That's not good enough. I'm nice. I give to the poor. And even when I ride around, I ride around. I see people asking for money. I give them money. That won't get you in. None of that. There's a lot of people in hell today. Good things won't get you in. And people tend to think that. Well, there's no way that God would, you know, that. Listen, Jesus came for a reason. You're not going to go, you're trying to come any other kind of way. You're a thief and a robber. You cannot get past Jesus by your own filthy works. They're not good enough. Look at verse 12. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Mm-mm. You don't, let me tell you, you don't want to do that. Verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law. We don't have to work our way into heaven. 
You cannot be good enough. Look at verse 14. That the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, that is the promise of God that God made with Abraham. That promise, the one that Jesus talked about. The promise of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside. He said that was a promise. Look at verse 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or added thereto. Let me break that down for you. Paul just gave you a common example, and let me give you one. Let's just say you bought a house. And when they got all the documents together and you signed everything and you signed off and you said how much you're going to pay a month, you're going to do all of that. Once you signed off on all your papers and you turn them in and that's that and you say, I'll pay $1,500 a month for my mortgage. And when mortgage time comes, you only have a 1000 It does not change what you have already committed to and signed. You should have thought about that at the table before you signed. You can't be mad at the bank. You can't be mad at email. You should have thought about it. You cannot annul it. You cannot. Once you sign the papers, it cannot be changed. It's done. It's sealed. So be be careful. Make sure you read every dot. You never tell them because once you sign off, it's yours and you must abide by that. Look at verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. He said, not and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as for one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. He just said it. The only seed he's talking about here in just that passage, he said it about Isaac, and then he said it about Jesus. Abraham's seed, the seed of God, as in one, in that he started talking about Abraham and his seed. And then he said, but this seed is the seed of one. Verse 17, and this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the laws which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. I don't care how long it is. I don't care. It can not change. It does not change. If you can't take the law and make the promise of God, let me tell you, make the, the promise that God gave to Abraham of none effect. That's not for you. You can't change that. You can't change that. After all these years, you cannot change it. It's there. Look at verse 18. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then, serve it the law. What? Where, okay, well, since all of this is going on, so what, why is the law here? I guess we all can ask that because God had already set everything up with Abraham, so what, what is the law? What is the purpose of the law? Verse 19. 
It was added because of transgressions. It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hands of the mediator. Listen, it, I mean, that explains itself. That explains itself. It was added because man had no way of knowing when he was sinning. But it was added to show him you have sinned and now you know when you sin. Once it came, they was like, oh, okay, I did it. I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. Now they're looking at it. and they're like, See, now remember we're in the Old Testament. No Jesus now. That's what they had to look at. They, 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 they looked at those commandments every day and saw they had already broke them and they were continuing to break them. Listen, the Ten Commandments, it, it was there to show them you are sinning. It was there to show them every time you did something against this, you were in sin. Now they have something to measure. At first they didn't. They were doing any and everything. Now you know you have sin. You've, uh, you already sinned. Now, now, for us, we don't have to go and look at no Ten Commandments when we know we sin. We're not under that law. We, it, it don't take us to look at, at what, go down the list, let me see if I sin. You know when you sin. Why? Because the Holy One lives on the inside of you. And He'll always say, you know better. You know, you know better. I don't care who you are. If you belong to him, he's telling you, you know better. Verse 21, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. If that, if that was the case, you didn't need Jesus. If you had that what you needed, you did, he did not have to send Jesus to the cross. If the law was going to take care of everything. Verse 22, But the scripture had concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Did you hear that? Given to them that believe. There has to be some believing going on here. Verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. We were shut up. They were shut up under the law. I'm telling you, this is amazing. You better grab this. Wherefore, verse 24, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer even under the schoolmaster. For we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized unto Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. 
There is no neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. They, let me tell you, they were trapped under the law. And when people come and try to tell you about the law, they try to trap you under the law. He said, nope. And you're saying, Jesus, what Jesus did didn't, didn't count. Now that's the Old Testament. But let's look at the New. Oh, you have time to look at the New. Let's look at the New Testament. Listen, let's go to this. The, this is our final point. The New Testament. Because remember, we're seeing the relationship. The New Testament, it has three major components. Component number one in the New Testament, it is the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, number one. The second component of the New Testament is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's when the promise came. And the third component, and what our church is based on, it is the Acts of the Apostles. The three major components is comprised in the New Testament. So to understand the New Testament, we must know why the Lord said, The just shall live by faith. So make your second point this. Here we go with the New Testament. A doctrinal exposition, exposition of faith. Then we can understand this doctrinal meaning the New Testament. Scroll on over to Romans, do a few pages, chapter 3. Listen, faith is the confidence that we have in the testimony of God. That's all faith is. Come on, get this, get this. Turn over to Romans and rest there. And let me tell you this. Faith is the confidence that we have in the testimony of God. Now that is what faith is. Faith, I'll say it again, is the confidence that we have in the testimony of God. Listen to me closely. If you have confidence in the testimony of God, listen to me. You don't ever need to sit up week after week, month after month, year after year, listen to message after message on faith. Why? Because your faith is in the testimony of God. That's, that's it. See, we think we need this and we need that and we need this and then we need that. But it's in the testimony of God. I'm, I, I, I wrote out a little test and I'm, I, I'm, I wanna, I'm gonna ask you. And, and when, if, when I ask the question, I want you to say amen loud if, if you believe that, okay? Because I'm, I'm gonna prove to you what you don't have to do concerning faith. Now, if you say that you, your, your faith is in the testimony of God, I ask you the question. Do you believe that this is the inherent word of God? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need to hear amen because then if, if I don't, I think that you don't believe this and then there's something else for you. So I'm going to ask you again. How many of you believe that the Bible that you're looking at, that's in your lap today, that you have, that it is the testimony of God? How many of you believe that it is in the inherent word of God? 
I hope you're saying this at home. Do you believe, not that the Bible contains the truth, but you believe that the Bible is the truth? Amen. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe in the Trinity of God? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus died for the remission of your sin? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead? Do you believe when you leave this planet that you're going to go to heaven? Now, if you believe all of that, then you have all the faith you will ever need to walk this walk. You don't need it. If you really believe just what you said, you have all the faith you need to walk successfully. Nothing else matters. This is what I believe. Really, you can't believe, believe no more than that. That's like me saying, I look at my sons and say, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I believe you, my son. And then I wake up tomorrow and say, I'm believing you, my son. I'm thanking God every day. I believe I receive that you're my son. I believe that you're my son. I believe, I pray, I thank you, Lord. I believe I receive. I, I'm confessing. I'm decreeing and declaring you are my son. Well, that's how, that's how silly it is. Because why? I already, why you sitting up saying something you believe? You believe this? That's all you need. See, we done got too many things on believing for stuff and things. But I don't do that. I don't say, I believe you, my son. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Oh, I believe I receive it. I believe I receive you, my son. My son's been my son for over 30-something years. I don't have to get up every morning and keep believing that. Neither do you have to get up and try to believe for everything else. If you believe what we just, what you just said. That, that seals everything. How much, what other kind of faith do you need? That's faith. So faith is the confidence that I have in the testimony of God. And guess what? Jesus is the testimony of God. That's where my confidence lies. In the testimony of God. What is the testimony of God? Jesus! Is the testimony of God. Now that is important and that is critical. Jesus is the testimony of God. And so God sent Jesus to the earth because He is His testimony to straighten the whole thing out between what? The law and the prophets. Everything that was all, all the, the, the things that was happening before. And I'm showing you the relationship between the old and the new. Jesus had to come to bridge that gap. That was a gap. And he said, now you gotta go and bridge the gap from the law and the prophets. And he came and did just that. We're understanding the relationship between the old and the new. Are you with me? See, in the Old Testament, 
It taught us a lot of things, though. That's why it's important that we read it, because it, it taught us a lot of things. It taught us how to relate to God. Because in the Old Testament, we've seen His extreme, extreme love. And we also saw His extreme wrath in the Old Testament. You know, you can get God's M.O., His mode of operation, by reading the Old Testament. You can read the Old Testament and know what God will and won't do by reading the Old Testament. But it doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is the way you're going to run your life. It's only a way for you to know God, but not to run your life, because it was above the law. But it showed you, but God was the same. It is a way of us knowing God. But the truth is in Jesus. We just saw that Jesus confirmed that statement that John made. Because he later said, he just confirmed it. He said, I am the way, the truth, the truth, the truth, and the life. No man is going to get to the Father but by me. I don't care how nice they are. I don't care how sweet they are. I don't care how much they say they know God and live contrary to the Word of God. No, no, and no. No one gets to the Father but by me. So faith is the confidence that we have in the testimony of God. Jesus is the testimony of God. Therefore, Jesus Christ is our faith. So why would we need to musker up any other? He is our faith. So we saw that grace and truth came by Jesus. We read that. We started off reading that. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So then we're not saved by faith. We're saved by grace. Through faith. We're saved by grace. Because it only came through Jesus. Grace saved us when we believe in the faith. We are saved by grace. So when we believe those things that we stated, and you said, I believe that about Jesus, then God extends grace to you for whatever your situation is. For whatever you say. See, I would just take that list and I just, that, that's the thing that I say, God, I believe this about you. Because I believe your testimony. Whatever my situation is, this is what I believe. And let me tell you, once you cut covenant, it's for everyone, every time, all the time. And you're in covenant with me. And then he extends his grace to you. And there, I become heirs to the promise joint heirs with Christ Jesus. This is important that you know this. I'm telling you, you don't see it now, but this is going to be so important for your future. This is going to be so important for your marriage. This is going to be so important for the next move of God. This is what's going to be so important in what's coming that you know these things. 
See, we always, see, we never thought a pandemic could happen. We always think something going to, see, it's going to come a time that sitting in church like this ain't going to be so easy. Yes, in this country. See, we didn't think an insurrection would ever be in this company. I mean, this country. We always say, well, it's never going to be. Oh, it ain't no way they're going to give you. You have free religion. We got free. Uh, no, listen, I'm telling you, you better know these things. You better know that I believe in the testimony of God. That's what you're going to have to stand on. You're not going to be trying to stand on no faith for a car or a house. It's going to be deeper than that. Our salvation comes from Jesus. Who is our faith. And when we do that, He extends grace. We don't have to spend all of our time trying to get it. Now watch this. Benefits from salvation. Salvation means, letter A, I am justified by faith. See, you got to know what salvation means. See, every time, most people just think, salvation is just I'm going to heaven. But I'm telling you, salvation, letter A, means I am justified by faith. Then you have access to the grace of God. And under justification, guess what? No human effort is required. God don't need your help. He justified you. You don't have anything to do with it. Justification is all God. It has nothing to do with you. He has justified you. He's the justifier. You don't have anything to do with that. Grace is free and unmerited. You can't earn it. You cannot work for it. Nothing you can do. Another thing about justification by faith, it gives us peace with God. It removes that enmity between you and God. It removes it. I hope y'all getting this because I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying this. It gives us peace with God. Then let it be, we have the righteousness of God by faith. We've been made righteous by faith. In other words, we have been made right with God. You know how you get right with God? Because, see, there's a difference between righteousness and justification. Know that. There's a difference between righteousness and justification. Justification, again, is all God did at all. Righteousness is something that we do. See, we do the righteousness. He do the justification. We, righteousness is what we do. God made us right, but to be right and stay right, you have to have a righteous heart. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Because the Bible tells us in Romans 10 and 9 and 10, it says, If thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus with thy mouth, and believe where? In your heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Let me tell you, there's no way that you can confess the Lord Jesus Christ and not have righteousness in your heart and think that salvation is not. You can See, that's why people are just quoting the Scripture, don't have no righteousness in their heart, but they must both go together. They must both go together for it to be salvation. It's not salvation just to confess. Well, I confess the Lord Jesus Christ in my mouth and I relieve my heart. No, you, they just run by believing in my heart. I'm just, just doing something. So many people are just have confessed with their mouth. They have never hooked it up with their heart. 
and it must be. There must be righteousness in your heart. When we accept justification in our heart, it makes us right with God. When we accept justification in our hearts, then we are right with God. Then we become heirs with God and join heirs with Christ. Letter C. Salvation also means that we are redeemed by faith. Redeemed means that we are redeemed from the power of sin. We are redeemed from the sting of death. That's our last one. We are redeemed. We are redeemed from the power of sin. And we're also redeemed from the sting of death. That is what redemption means. You have been freed from the power of sin. Sin no longer have dominion over you. It's what you permit. You don't permit it, it has no dominion over you. You have to permit it. If you've been redeemed, you don't have to slay no animals, put them on no altar. You don't have to do a brazen altar. You don't have to go in no booth behind someone and confess your sins behind a curtain. You don't have to do any of those things. You have been made free from sin. That's why the Bible says, Let not sin reign any longer in your body. God said, Don't, don't, don't let it do that. That's your responsibility. Don't let sin have dominion over you. Because it can only have dominion over you if you provide it a way to. If you permit it. Don't yield your members in unrighteousness. You got to do that. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how juicy it looks. I don't care how fine it looks. I don't care how nice it looks. You got to have to submit your body. Tell it you're getting up under that truth. Did, did not sentence you? You try to peep out and get parole? No. Up under that truth. Don't get yourself in that position and you won't have to, you won't have to deal with it trying to get parole. Here's the key. The Bible says neither yield your members to unrighteousness. So God would not give us instructions and not power to carry it out. Everything that God's telling us we can do, God has given us the power to carry it out. We, we can carry it out. Jesus told the man of the pool of Bethesda, he said, take up your bed and walk. Now that man couldn't walk. Jesus empowered him to get up. Jesus empowered him to get up. So when he said, let not sin reign in your mortal body, if that is you are redeemed, you don't have to let it rain. You don't have to let it rain in your body. You have to take control of it. God's not going to do it. He's already given you the power to do it. But see, like I said, we don't want sin to be eradicated. But it already has been. Let me tell you, the devil knows it. Sin knows it. And it knows that you will yield to it. Because it's like, ain't nothing I can do unless you yield. That's why the where the thoughts come from. That's why you, you, you're just thrown with thoughts because he said, i got to get you to let me in because I have no power. You've been redeemed. I can't just jump on you. So there's no excuse. 
There's no excuse for pregnancy outside of marriage. Not for the believer. There's no excuse. There's no excuse for, for talking back to your parents, all the foolishness, having sex outside of marriage. There's no excuse because everything that you're doing, you're doing on your own. You are permitting that. And God has given you dominion over it. And, it, and seeing it saying, oh my God, they think that, you know, that the devil, the, de the devil don't have nothing to do with that. The devil himself know he's defeated. He already know that he has no power over that. He said, my power is to get you to give way for sin. And as long as you give me that, you can claim that it's me all day long. But God knows it's you. That's why he's telling you today, don't let sin reign in your body. You tell it no, do it. So you have to be redeemed from the power of sin and the sting. We've been redeemed. From, what, have, have you ever wondered what it means when it says you have been redeemed from the sting of death? You know what that means? That means, listen, your body will go in the ground, but you never will. Oh, now see, when I God gave me that, I was like all over the place. Your body, listen, if you're cremated, your body will be ashes, but you will never be burned. And let me, no, listen to me closely. You can't bury a saint. You can't. They're not there. If you look, if you keep them in a urn, that's just a man. That's not them. They're not there because you can't bury a bird. Let me in the grave. That's not your body's there. They're not. You can't bury a thing. Jesus gave us the example. They couldn't bury him. He said, "You join heirs with me. You. That's the sting of death. You can never bury a thing." That's why God said to be absent in the body, don't think you're going in the ground, you're present with me. That's what strengthens me every day. To think my pastor is with him. The body, it tells you that's going to go back to the dust. But you never will. The sting of death has been removed. No more. No more. You can never bury a saint. But I have an assignment for you. Write it down. I want you to read Romans chapter 3, verse 19 to 31. It will confirm the things that I just told you. Because I'd love to tell you more, but I don't have no time to tell you in. And I think I'm over my time, but that's okay. I want you to be able to understand. The relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Was this as good for you all as it was for me? Because it really was good for me. Because it really was good for me even studying out. But listen, that was the foundation. We got about four or five more classes of this stuff. Maybe six. So we can understand some things about, about, about truth. See, that's the main thing. We, we need to understand things. Not only about truth, but about I want to understand. Now I know the relationship. Now I understand the Old Testament and the New Testament. I understand the relationship they have. I understand how it was concealed in the Old Testament. That's why it was types and shadows. It was concealing, yet telling 
Everything what is to come. And then here comes the New Testament. Bam! Let everything open. And it reveals everything that's in the Old Testament. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And we're free. We're free indeed. And I want you to stay free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Truth will make you free. Truth will give you peace that surpasses understanding. Peace. And God is faithful. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.